Okay, hey, we're back. Hey, and here we are, another, another uh, porch party. off the porch here. This is wonderful. The weather is great. No, uh, no rain in the forecast. We couldn't be happier about Usually, usually rains when we do these things. Yeah, uh, that's why we call it the porch, because when you're under a porch, at least you're kind of dry, which is a story about owning an older house. You're kind of okay. <laughs> you're never completely okay because it's an old house. Anything can happen. Or could collapse. Well, um, this week I know we wanted to talk about this uh, amazing trip you took across mm -hmm. country. Yeah. Yeah. And you did not drive across country. You did not take a no, train across no, country. Uh, you I did not take a train. I did not ride. In, I did ride in the rain. No, I rode a bicycle across America. I was much younger then. I had this notion to do it before I turned 30. Had a crappy boss. I was living with Jim. And uh, just got this notion that I needed a summer off to avoid a really lousy boss. And thought, well, man, if this is my life, work for lousy bosses, I want one more summer in the sun. So <laughs> I quit everything. I uh, planned it at a coffee shop every Saturday. Before there was the Internet, you had these things called pencils and roadmaps. And I had this idea to start in California, link as many of the national parks and friends up as I could which meant it was not going to be a straight line. And 103 days, I left on May 1st, 1994. Uh, not 20, 1994. Well, and we had our, uh, our Goodbye Wendy's Buffet. Uh, it was actually Pizza Hut, Jim. Pizza Hut, it pizza was buffet. Pizza Hut, Pizza Buffet, Unlimited Pizza. We went wild. Many pieces as you can eat. We went downtown. I think we sent the bike ahead. I, from memory serves, I mailed the bike a few days earlier. To Rich? Yeah. To Rich, to I might have been there. I'm not exactly sure what happened. I, it's it's foggy, but anyway, yeah, I got on the train. It was around three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Got to California about noon on Friday. Put the bike together to realize I was missing the bolts that actually bolted the wheels onto the uh, bike. They're very special, very <laughs> customized, um, and of course, I did what everybody does with very valuable parts. I just used masking tape and taped them to the frame of the bike. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. I'm missing, I think I had one bolt. I think I had one as a demo, and then the other three are missing. Oh, jeez. So the options were to wait in California for like a week to get those bolts, or something else had to be done. So Jim's twin brother, Rich, just said, don't worry, man, it'll always work out. So, and I'm like, these things were made in California. <laughs> so I thought, well, they all, and we go to the bunch of bike shops. Nobody's got them, nobody's got them, because it's a very customized bike wheel, very custom. $160 for these hubs. And the guy just said, great comment, though. The guy goes, well, man, this Phil Wood stuff, it's made in America, man. So if it's American Thread, what you need is an airline parts store. And I'm like, well, pff, why don't we just make it a space shuttle store? Because we don't have one of those either. He goes, no, man, right across the street here, there's airline parts. Just go over there and see what they have. So literally, I had the wheel with me. We went to the airline parts store, and like 20 minutes and like, $2.87 later, I had like 10 bolts to bolt my, I had all these spares and everything that you need. It was American thread, and that's what airline parts are made. They're American thread. They're not Japanese thread, not metric. They are U.S. thread, and that was the solution. Go to an airline parts store, pay $2, and it had all the bolts I ever could want to hold those wheels on. It was amazing. And then I left like the next day on the trip because the wheels would stick on the bike now. Time to go. And Incredible. so your first leg was through the, uh, did you go along the coast at all, or you just headed uh, no, west? No, no, I east? started at Santa Monica Pier, went through the San Bernardino Valley. Uh, 
I think I right, followed I think the parade route. Yeah, hang on. We got a, Oh, this is going to be a slow one. You're going to love this, folks. All right, we're going to pause and come yeah. back as soon as the train comes through here. Yeah, there so. we go. We come back after the train has passed. This could be 700 million cars. He's barely moving. I think I paused. Yeah. Holy smokes. But I got to say, it is kind of quiet, though, once you get out of the... Uh, once past the engine. Yeah, I mean, we're I getting quite a bit of noise on the uh, uh, the microphones the, uh, picking it up. On the Doppler, are we are we are we Dopplering on this? Yes. Man, we're going to be right up against the deadline. This would be awesome. Oh I love come the on, it's, it's we we're going these are half hour episodes. We'll be done. Okay. If we got to do part two, we'll do part two, man. There you go. We need to get something out because we haven't put something out in a week. Yeah, the, our the fans are wa- is, our, right, fan our fan is waiting. Our fans are demanding it. Our they're, fan is waiting for this. They're burning. They're burning. Uh, yeah. They're burning us an effigy. If we can't produce a weekly podcast, kill them. Just kill them. Remove them. Next week it'll have to be Thursday again just because I'm not working Monday. I'll be out of town. Where are you going? Somewhere good? Hess Lake, Michigan. Ah. A bunch of friends for a... They call it a debauchery weekend. Wow. So, you know, a lot of drinking, some some skinny dipping. Kool-Aid, yeah, Kool-Aid and, uh, you know, fizzy caps and, yeah craziness yeah let's see it might be quite enough all i know is i i'm glad i got the air fix of the car because i'll be driving a lot of miles this weekend and uh yeah good thing you noticed it before then it's good thing he was well no i kind of noticed it when i was down in bloomington i was like you know i just paid to have this thing and right you know i think this problem was it works so good when it's put together i mean it was like an ice box when that first thing first worked and I was like, oh, yeah, baby. And then two weeks later, like, oh, baby, where did it go? Because it's not that anymore. And we were going out to hot dogs. I'm like, this thing used to blow like ice cold. What the heck is going on here? So the, I'm holding out hope that once he gets his part and pops it in, that we'll be back to ice cold weather. Because I'm still i still trying to find a place to go. On, uh, just even take away for a couple weeks. We're thinking about going to the Minnesota State Fair. I think we're going to have a little I'm gonna look into some of that tonight. See if I can get a cheap place to stay up in Minnesota for a couple of days. So I might go up early and work up there and then do my auction on Friday night and then frivolity on the weekend. Have you heard of the Ram race? Race Across America? Yeah. Yes. There used to be this guy, Lon Haldeman. He and his wife used to win this every year. They're they, insane. They were in a two-person team? No, no. They were in, there they, was a women's division of men's. And they, they oh, they were all, they're raced all by themselves? Insane. Yeah, they're all still insane. I don't know what the record is now, but it's way past what Lon was able to do. But you would see him, like, they, you know, did a whole, like, whatever, two hours on him. Just how insane he was. He would, like, he hadn't slept in, like, four days. And he, he's, like, off his bike. He's just roaming in a field. And they're like, Lon, Lon, you're going to need to get back on the bike. You know, you, you, you got to finish this race. Huh? Mother, mother, where's my tapioca? <laughs> and they get him on the bike. Okay, I got to go now. Got to go, mom. And he was just absolutely out of his gourd. And now, but they kept going faster and faster. And these guys, they learn, you know, I don't know what they're doping on, but I mean, I think well, the human body just like shuts down at 25 I, hours. I know my brother in law did it with a four man team. Yeah. One of the other guys broke his collarbone the yeah. first day, so they're down to a three man team. And they were talking about this one guy, he was going by himself, and at some point, he lost the muscle tone in his neck. He couldn't support his head anymore. Yeah. yeah. 
And so they built this frame out of PVC pipes to hold his head up. Because yeah, that's totally normal. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Don't stop at Home Depot. Let's build yeah, some, that's what they did. a chiropractor and see if we can get the Home Depot yeah, to do it. It's not like you need to get on IV fluids and get your electrolytes replaced. It's like, no, oh, no, I'll just, no, fix, I'll just hold my head up with yeah. a yeah, strap. Just, just staple my head to a you know, piece of PVC, yeah. And then there's these other guys. They have these bikes, the Fixies. Yeah. So it was like just a gear and a wheel and there's no brake it just yeah. you pedal the wheel went yeah and if you didn't pedal you still pedal yeah yeah and there's one speed so you're going down a hill your legs are just flying on this thing yeah totally terrifying that's yeah, just I crazy didn't, i mean at that point that's that was kind of towards the fringes of what i was into i mean my my record is one i think it's like 136 miles or something like that in a day it was it's Oh yeah, what I did Bloomington was one. Bloomington was one thirty-two. I did that in a day, when I wasn't even riding across America yet. I did. It, I just my roommates dared me to drive the bicycle back from Bloomington in a day. Yeah. Uh, I just picked up on a. I think it was a Sunday morning. Just said, okay, I'm out. Go. You know, at five in the morning, and uh, I got to Yorkville like forty-seven in Ogden, and I was totally out of my mind, out of it, totally. So by I fifty-five and forty-seven, I'd been riding in the ditch for many miles and the guy saw this yeah and okay so that should be the end of our thing so anyways these guys you know said hey man i think you're hallucinating and i looked back and you can see i was just riding in the ditch i was coming down the road oh yeah there's a rest stop you know whatever there's a diner here you need a piece of pie you need to get your sugar yeah so i ate a whole pie <laughs> all right let's come back to this all right, for you listening and watching, it's been absolutely no time at all for yes. us. We've just watched a freight it train. Is, it is like a snap of the fingers, like a Thanos snap, and uh, all right. half the world is dead. All right. So, so yeah, so Santa Monica Pier, and then uh, went out. Uh, I think it was the uh, third day. I had seven flats the first day. Really, I was out of my mind. And then by wait, the third wait, day, wait. Yes. Seven flats? Yeah, seven. Because apparently, uh, unbeknownst to me, the conditions in California produce a some sort of a needle-like plant. I don't know what it was, cactus or what, but there are these thin needle-like projections on the road from plants. We don't have them here in the Midwest, so they went right through the tube tire. So the first... Uh, that guy is so cool. Um, anyway, <laughs> so the first time I ran into a cyclist... He, he says, just needs a spaceship. Yeah, so he There's goes... Right, yeah. uh, the first time I ran a cyclist, he goes, "Well, you got these, uh, you know, these tire guards, don't you?" No. What are those? You don't have those in. Oh yeah, you're gonna need those here because they go right through the tube. I'm like, "Oh, thank you." Stopped at a bike shop. They're like plastic liners that go around the rim inside the tube. Totally fixed the flat problem within the day, but I didn't know. And then so I just remember third day, <laughs> third day. I'm in um, Joshua Tree. Got to Joshua Tree third day, and get to this Del Taco, which is still there, because I actually saw the Del Taco. I actually had dinner there again all these years later, back in 2017. But anyway, sitting in this Del Taco, so happy, because all I was going to do in the afternoon was go through Joshua Tree, um, hang out, rest, take a day off, and then I was going to take an entire um, day to start crossing the desert. And I looked at the map, the paper map, and the, and the guy's like, you know, I see, I see towns every 30 miles. So I'm like, great. Yeah. Every 30 miles I get water. And the guy looks over and he goes, Oh, no, senor. Those towns don't exist. Once you leave here, this is the last chance for water for over 100 miles. And I'm like, what? What? Forget Joshua, forget everything. I, went, I just took a nap behind the Del Taco. 
And at 5 o'clock at night, I lashed five 50-ounce bottles of water on the back of the, all the other stuff I had and headed out into the desert. And I made it 40 miles, something like that, the first night. So all I had to do was 60 miles in the morning, but I started at like 4 or 5 in the morning. I only had like three hours of sleep. But I got there. I was done by 10.30 in the morning. I'd ridden 100 miles, 110 miles to the Arizona border overnight, essentially. And there are people actually living under the ground out past Joshua Tree. They put mobile homes in under the sand, and they come out at night. There's little bars out there in the, in the desert. So they sleep during the day. Yeah. It's way too hot to be out, so they come out at night. They're like, you know, night crawlers or whatever. It's like Tatooine or something. Yeah, and they had like, they had a hot, they, had a, they were serving hot dogs and beer. So I just kind of went in there, had a hot dog, did not have the beer. They gave me a free soda because I pedaled my bike there. Oh, nobody does that, man. So, <laughs> yeah. You're so, alive. Yeah, that's, that's no one does it live. That, so that was basically the first five days of the trip. Um, eventually, I ended up potato chipping a wheel uh, in Arizona. What's potato chipping a wheel? Uh, when you break, uh, there's un- undue stress on your bike wheel. Um, it'll, it'll you break a couple spokes, and the, if there's heavy load on the bike wheel, it just craters like a potato chip. Look, your bike tire looks like your wheel looks like a Pringles potato chip. There's no coming back from that. That it's done. Oh, this is the one where Rich had to bring yes. the new wheel out to you. Right. So I had I had a slight crack in the rim in uh, Lake Havasu City, got that replaced, and the guy only had a racing bicycle wheel. And I was like, brother, I got like 60 pounds of gear on the back of this, plus me. This is real danger. You, you'll be fine. Just don't. <laughs> just try not to hit anything solid. Oh, okay. Like- <laughs> so I get up to uh, Truxton, uh, Truxton, Arizona, and I was heading. You know, it was a nice, beautiful day to ride. And I hit something. And Solid. Blah, blah, blah. The wheel just. Blah, blah, blah. I looked down. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> I'm in the middle of nowhere. Cannot ride the bicycle. So I did. The only thing I could do was I just pushed everything into the culvert, put some bushes over the top, took my handlebar bag and the things that had my wallet and my money, and started walking. And these drunk Indians who were heading to Truxton, which was the, <laughs> uh, the county seat where the Indians can get their monthly check. They put me in the back of a pickup truck and drove me to Truxton. These uh, God-fearing Christians ran the gas station there. And they basically said, you know, I said, yeah, I've been in, you know, my bicycle, the wheel, it's done. The guy's like, well, we got some parts here you want to try. And I said, maybe I can try to fix it. Where's your bicycle? I said, well, I left it out, you know, probably uh, seven, eight miles from here under some bushes. We got to go get it, man. Them Indians will take all your stuff. So we drove out there, got the bicycle. And again, before the Internet, before cell phones, there was a route C, around right on Route 66. There's a little diner. Went in there, have a soda. I'm gonna call Rich, and Rich was gonna meet me at the Grand Canyon, and I just catch him before he's going to leave. I still at home again. The weather, you know, if he'd have left that house, I don't know what would have happened. He would have driven all the way to the Grand Canyon and missed me. I caught him by 10 minutes before he's gonna leave. I said, Rich, Rich, oh my God, oh my God, the bike rim. You gotta get me in Truxton. So I'll be there. See you tonight. <laughs> so I just hung out in Truxton, you know, did my laundry, got everything all tidied up. And about 11, 12 o'clock at night, they, the people closed the gas station. They let me lay on the couch inside the gas station, just pulled the door closed behind you. And Rich came. We loaded up my bike on my crud and just pulled the door behind me, locked it up, and we drove to the Grand Canyon. And then while Rich and I were hiking the Grand Canyon, uh, we had the bicycle into Williams, and the guy there I had a, uh, a reference for a real bike shop. They built me a real wheel. 
So while I'm hiking the Grand Canyon, I had a real touring wheel to come back to. Now, but there's a story in the Grand Canyon, too. I mean, I remember. Yes, so this, anytime you hear about the Grand Canyon, um, they give you a little warning about, because we're camping down there, right? You have to go through this indoctrination. There are seven rescues a day at the Grand Canyon, and seven people die a year at the Grand Canyon. Right. From being uh, exposed to the elements. Rich and I look at this. You know, there's a nice poster. Guys, like, drinking water. Like, look at him. And they go, yeah, he's dead two hours later. He had already been exposed. His body was in shutdown. Didn't matter how much money water he drank. Once you're past the point, yeah. you're dead. That can't, come on. That can't be. <laughs> we go down that, that morning. We got our pass. We went down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. We set up a camp. We're hiking out. We must have, I'm not kidding you. We must have walked three miles at the bottom. And there is a water stop on your way before right. you come up to, uh, what was it? Uh, what's the main path there? Um, the Bright Angel Trail. Bright Angel, right. And so I, you know, I felt great during the three-mile hike. You know, you're a little sore from the way down. Uh, had a pile of water. I must have drank two gallons. I'm like, hey, feeling great, feeling great, Rich. Yep, yep, feeling great. We got all the water we need. Totally topped off. Let's go. How tough could this be? <laughs> it was real tough. It got to the point where we were, we'd hike an hour, rest for 15 minutes, then hike for 50 minutes, rest for 20. Hike for 45, rest for 25. Walk for half an hour, rest for half an hour. Then walk for 20, rest for 40. It got to the point where we're inverted. We're walking for 10, resting for 45 at the end. And we're almost crawling on our way to the top. We are roasting every step. It got hotter and hotter and hotter. Oh, and yeah, we did that same thing yeah, a few and, years and ago. So and it's crazy how hot it gets. The other way, they're coming down in sandals and flip-flops <laughs> with Dixie cups full of water. And we're looking at them like... <gasps> We didn't need water. We're like, it doesn't matter. We're done. We're cooked. We've been walking <laughs> through an oven. What's wrong with you guys? You guys weak? You guys sissies? What's your problem? <gasps> <gasps> so we get spit out at the top. We survive it. Now, somebody has to go to get the car. Because the car is at the <laughs> other entrance. Because uh, so, you went, you came up a different trail and you went yes, down. Yes, yes. Oh, jeez. So we have a flip a coin. Rich, I, I guess he won. I, I thought I won. I don't know. <laughs> I thought winning meant I didn't have to walk anymore. I'll just sit here under the street. <laughs> Rich got to walk. He got people picked him up. They gave him a ride. He got to drive. He was using his legs. He came back. I've been laying there for whatever, 40 minutes. I couldn't stand up. They had to get, like, other people. There was three or four of us to help me get off the ground. My legs were useless. Uh, uh, uh. We're, we're sliding through. Then, you know, we, we just, you know, got showers. We're kind of moving. We're both laying on the bed. If we don't go for dinner now. We'll never get off these beds. <laughs> They're going to have to call. So we go to the restaurant. Um, whatever is, you know, Rich, very generous. Something paid for big steaks. We're having big steaks. Great time. Okay, now time to go to bed. Oh, we can't get up. Our legs totally locked. They had to call. They had to move the table out. Bring all these, like, waiters to move our big round table out. And then they brought, like, four or five guys to help each one of us stand up. So we could walk back to our rooms. We were that atrophied. Those, was the restaurant in the hotel? Yeah, yeah. It was right there in, in, oh, the, in the lodge. So then, the next day, Rich is driving back to California. He's done. Our adventure's over. Okay, Rich, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, good seeing you. you know, we're, I'm kind of you know, wobbling a little bit. Okay, I'll be fine. Just get me on the bike. I'll pedal slow. <laughs> we, we do a bunch. Rich loads me up with a bunch of snack food and stuff. Then he takes off, and then I have to pedal out of there. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to uh, Grand Canyon. When you're at Grand Canyon Lodge, the next stop on your way uh, east is called Tovar. It is eight miles away. It took me two and a half hours 
I could have walked, in a regular day, I could have walked to Tovar, pushing my bicycle Whoa. faster than me riding it. I got to Tovar, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I, there's no way. I can't do any elevation game. I have no strength in my legs. So thankfully, because you're a bicycle rider, there's free camping. Uh-huh. There's like a hiker biker site. So I just pushed the bike. I'm done. I'm done. So like, I, Rich left at noon. It's now 2 in the afternoon. I'm 8 miles down there. I'm done. I, I can't walk anymore. So then, by making dinner and kind of slowly stretching and then, you know, slowly getting, you know, just fluids like you wouldn't believe. And then the next day, I could kind of ride. And it still was horrible, but then within two days, I was totally fine. Yeah, well, and you were young, was, so your body could I recover. I was young, and now I was just dead. They'd just You'd be dead. Body, you'd just go, I'm dead. I'm dead then. Yeah. Uh, your so, yeah, so your defibrillator was, would be going off like all, crazy and we now. Did, we did all that. Again, we started May 1st. This is like middle of May. So I'm only in the two weeks on this, this 103 days across America. There was adventures in Yellowstone. There was uh, hanging out with some Indians. And then I drove to, uh, so I got to Montana. Saw my mom's friend, went across the plains in South Dakota, ended up riding the Mississippi down in New Orleans. My friend Dan met me in Memphis, and he rode with me for a week down in New Orleans. He left, and then I came up through uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, uh, North Carolina. Yeah, I don't think I got South Carolina. North Carolina, Tennessee, went through the Smokies, got on the Blue Ridge Parkway, kind of just zipped all the way to Delaware. Cape Hunlopen, Delaware. So 6,000 miles, 10,000 kilometers, 103 nights. It is a modern U.S. record for Bohemians from Stickney. Uh, I, I am undefeated. And, and yes. I remember going to pick you up. Yes, and then Jim came so, in my and, Pontiac Le Mans with and, the car rack on the top. He right. had to drive this tiny, tiny car. Well, and I had to there. stop and sleep on the the yeah. uh, toll road, turnpike, the high, yeah. turnpike, because there was no place to, well, I nowhere, yeah. nowhere to stop. And there, people were pulling over all over the place. Back oh, yeah. then, you could sleep on the turnpike. They didn't oh, yeah. care. You could still sleep on the turnpike. Can you? I do it all the time. Oh, uh, I haven't been arrested for doing that. I'm sure they would dissuade you. Here's a key tip, kids. Well, and I, I get there, and you're, a, you're on the coast. You're on, the like, the ocean. Right. And I'm going, who's this? Yeah. You had a beard, which oh, you yeah, had no, when you I left. Was, it, it looked like, like literally like a homeless person who's been un- exposed the entire summer. Yeah. My skin was like leather because I was outside all the time. I was sleeping outside. I only like maybe three nights was I actually inside. Your legs were like brown tree trunks. Oh yeah, they were. I was just in the best shape of my life, and it was wonderful. And then your, your resting pulse NPR, must have been thirty. Yeah, NPR was. And they interviewed me. Um, I did all the stuff, and then within two weeks, blah. The fitness was gone. It just, my life. So unless you keep cycling across America, yes. you're... 12, unless you exercise 12 hours a day, I, that was a body. I could not uh, keep up. But, yeah, so Jim came out. We got uh, all you can eat crab legs. I did promise oh, him yeah. that. It was about 22 bucks. I remember well that. worth it. And then we went out to some museums, too. Smithsonian or something. We did a museum oh, day. Oh, man, we ate so many crab yeah, legs. Yeah, it was, they lost some money that day. That was a lot of crab. Oh, that was so good. And, you know, and... and but it also set up my life. For the rest of my life, I always be the guy who rode the bicycle. So I have this cousin. He lives in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Saw him, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And we went out for a bunch of beers. beers and too many beers, probably. And he's a little under under the weather. And he's kind of said, you know, you're, you're famous, man. Because you went. He said, do you know how many guys talk about riding a bicycle across America? You just did it. You made your statement. Yeah. I'm doing this. And then within a couple weeks, you were gone. You were doing it. Everybody dreams, oh, something comes up, life comes up, things happen. And I said, yeah, I always live every day like this. And so, yeah, so I thought at the time, okay, I'm going to do this bike trip. 
I'm going to come back, get a regular job, get a wife, get the kids, be totally normal, but then I'll just be the normal guy with the bike trip story. And then it, that never happened. The normal never happened. So then the bike trip ended up taking me to Kilimanjaro to climb Kilimanjaro, where I believe still I'm the fattest man ever to summit Kilimanjaro <laughs> at 100. And I believe my number was 117, 117 kilos. Nobody over 100 kilos makes it. My really? guy, oh no, it is. I did not know that. Brutal. It is brutally hard. Uh, high altitude on large people. Well, I know they've got those uh, <laughs> it's like sleeping COVID. bags that they pump the oxygen into. For yeah, the people it's like who, that. Uh, and I, I was near death. I was hallucinating there too. But that's a story for another day. But yes, the bicycle trip. And I really, after I did two or three more bicycle vacations, but then by 2016, I was done. I really haven't ridden a bicycle since, uh, ridden, uh, sorry, 1996. I have not ridden, really ridden a bicycle since 1996. And then it's you, still uh, here, though. It's in the garage. You, you went and you uh, <laughs> wrote down your adventures in a book. I did. I did. It's called 100 Nights of Crossing of America. Uh, when you travel across America by yourself, that was also the summer of Forrest Gump. So when I got to Kentucky, everyone's, you know, they hear the story, see the bicycle, like, you're just like Forrest Gump. And I thought he was a local hero. <laughs> I said, this might be like Daniel Boone. You don't want to offend anybody. Just go, yeah, yeah, Forrest Gump, whoever that guy is. Yeah, no, nothing about That was also the summer of OJ. Um, so I was in Iowa oh when gosh. the Bronco chase happened. So these, these farmers yes. are like, there was this football player killed his wife. Then he's in a Bronco and he's chasing. Uh, I want to watch NBA uh, Mark, finals. He was acquitted of the murder of his wife. You can't say that. And, and so these guys kept saying he was a quarterback. And I'm like, how no. many black quarterbacks are there in the NFL? Like what? Like Warren Moon? And then you find out it's OJ. You're like, he's not a quarterback. He's a right. Don't matter to me, man. My crops are coming up. It's Iowa. They ain't messing with my crops. I'll kill them. I'll kill them right here. Right in the dead in the ground. So, yeah, I had this. So, I have this travel loss. And I guess the, the issue was there were some crazy times out there, but I never doubted my ability to pull that off. And I didn't know how long it was going to take. I mean, I, nobody at that point, you know, nobody had done the route that I had done. There's actually the Cookie Lady of Afton, Virginia. So, uh, I'm on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and this guy's, uh, the Rangers are telling me, you got to go see the cookie lady. Go see the cookie lady. I'm like, what are these guys talking about? And it turns out that in 1976, when they established the Trans-America Bicycle Route from Washington, D.C. to Seattle, Washington, there was this woman, uh, her dad owned a gas station in Afton, Virginia. Every And they said in the guidebook that you would buy to do this trip for the Bicentennial, get off in Afton, there's a very nice grocery store, you'll get a lot of snacks. And what they didn't know was that right before the, the tour started, the store closed. So these people are coming off the Blue Ridge Parkway. So when you're on a mountain pass, basically you're you're really saying something by leaving the path, by going down the mountain, because yeah. you gotta go up the mountain. So these people were going down off the mountain to find to look for snacks that weren't there. So this June, I can't remember her last name, started making cookies because every day there'd be like fifty people showing up looking for snacks and they weren't there. So she became known as the cookie lady. And then people started purposely coming off the mountain just to meet her. And so she ends up running. Uh, her uncle lived next door. When he died, she took over his house. And she made it like a halfway house for cross-country cyclists. So not only can you come down off the mountain, you could stay. They had a place to stay. So I, of course, came the other direction. So you know, most of the people, when they're meeting June, had only done like 100, 150 miles. Mm -hmm. of the trip yeah they have all the rest of the summer to go 
I had at that point done 5,500 miles by the time I got to June. So I'm crying, she's crying. But this, this house was all full of postcards and journals and books of people who had done this trip to give people encouragement, like, you can make it. You're here, you're on the path, you can make it. You can go the next 5,000 miles or whatever the distance was to give them encouragement. Well, I'd already done it. So I was like, yeah, I got 500 miles left. I got you know no problem at all. But I got to stay the night and read the journals. And then it turns out she passed. And then I think it was the Boy Scouts actually took all that books and binders and whatever, and they make a presentation. And they drive it around, I guess, Virginia, showing the kindness of this woman and this cookie lady of Afton, Virginia. They do different things where they set up all the stuff so you can read. The, my journal's in there now. I sent it to her while she was still around about how to travel across America on a bicycle. It was pretty cool. Wow. And then I met these guys on the Blue Ridge Parkway. They were from uh, Cape Henlopen, Delaware, which is where I was going to end my tour. So I'm like, Cape Henlopen, yeah. Want to hit the water? You guys want to put me up? And they did. So I had their phone number, so I stopped at a, at a, after I hit the water. I stopped at a payphone call. I'm like, yeah, I'm like 20 miles away. Come on over. We're having a cookout. So I rode my bicycle to these guys and got to sleep on their couch. And then the next day, I started winding my way back across the Chesapeake, and my buddy came, uh, picked me up on the... Dave? Yeah, my buddy Dave, not that Dave, another Dave, oh, no, but Dave. he came and picked me up um, on the other side of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, because he can't ride a bicycle across. Picked me up, drove me across, and then that's where I was, Jim. I was in Fairfax, Virginia, when you picked me up. Yeah, after, uh, yeah, I had such a tough time those two days I had to drive. I just, uh, you know. Oh, and then on the way back, remember, we my... stopped in uh, to see Carla's uh, niece and nephew. They were in uh, Kokomo, Indiana. I do not remember that. So we rolled up on these, this, this, they were homeschooled. The kids were homeschooled. And they, uh, I've been sending them postcards from all across America. To, and they had a map where they put the pins. And I'm hearing, you know, all kids want to see you, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be great. And so we just, a surprise visit, we just stopped on our way home. Ring the doorbell, ding dong. Who's the stranger at the door? Hey, kids, it's me. You know, it's Mark, the bicycle guy. Oh, my God, oh, my God. So kids are like, they show me the map. They have this little schoolroom in the basement. I that do remember cool. that. Yeah, it that was, was pretty, pretty cool. cool. And then then we came home. Yeah. Yeah. Two days, I think it was, was it? We, no, no, we, we had to stop somewhere. We didn't drive straight through. No, we? we had to have stopped. Somewhere. Because I know we hit this antique mall in Richmond. Did we stay we just, at a hotel or did we just sleep in your car? No, we would have stayed. No, I don't know. I we remember sleeping in your car. We were both pretty cheap. Oh, I, God, I we were terribly cheap. For a, I probably would have sprung for a room somewhere, but yeah. I'm trying to think of where that would have been. Maybe we left really dirt early, because it's only 11 hours. Maybe we split the drive. It's only six hours apiece. We might have driven straight. I'll have to check your journals and see. Yeah, I'll have to have my secretary look that up. Yeah. So that's about what I know about traveling across America. I gave some <coughs> tours and lectures... When I got back, and then at the time, you know, I'm, I'm carrying this manual camera shooting film, and I saw it slides, because I had this idea there's going to be a big slideshow. And they gave that slideshow about four times, and then that was it. I think I still have the slides somewhere, but... In carousels? like Yeah, the, uh... a big yeah, big carousel. And the thing is, I don't... I mean, now I look back, that's why the, the book is not one of my bestsellers. I just... The photos are absolute crap in it. I mean, I, I was not a photographer. Then, I'm still not a photographer, I just have... A much better eye for how to take a photo. And and a better camera. I don't think the camera has anything to do with it. I took great pictures in Africa. You know, uh, in 2002. Was, that was, was a only film eight camera? years later. It's not the camera. That was a manual camera. Yeah. Yeah, I shot. I was shooting wildlife with film cameras in, in Africa. 
It's the way to go. Oh, we're so spoiled now with digital cameras and memory cards and thousands of pictures on there. We, we absolutely are. And uh, But the other side of it is, think about how many more people are taking pictures than needs to be. Oh. So it actually created a, a market for itself. They, they said there's, what, like, I don't know, how many hundreds of millions of photos posted on the Internet every day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, completely. Or a billion. And I if just, it costs you a penny, if it, if it costs you, the consumer, a penny to create each one, you wouldn't do it. It's only because it's free. I would pay a penny per photo. I bet most people wouldn't. Because you think about your phone, how many millions, of, you know, you take them, delete them, whatever, or you keep them forever, right? Because yeah. there's no problem with storing forever. Yeah, you think about the what the film and the processing used to be for a 24-roll yeah. of film. You'd, yeah, you'd end up spending about 10, bu- 10 yeah. bucks all total. Yeah, we have to buy it. Yeah, it was at least $5 for 24 rolls to buy it and develop it. And you would go to Walmart to get the discount on the three packs of film. Yeah. Yeah. And and you'd you'd try and figure out what to take a picture of because you only had twenty four exposures right. on a roll. Sometimes you get twenty five. Sometimes they'd give you another an extra yeah. picture in there. No, and that was it. You you had that roll, and then you had you know when I went on to Africa, you had to figure out like if you're on number twenty two, and you had you're going on a game shoot, you almost burned the last three just to put a fresh roll in. So what I ended up was with two cameras. So I had. Uh, a backup in case something happened to the mothership. And so what would happen is when I we, we went, I remember one time we were looking at we were looking at uh, short the short train that yeah, we were looking for a leopard. And so I had both cameras loaded, both cameras set up at the same like focal point. Uh, I think one was a tripod and one I just sat on the roof of the car, figuring if something happens with this one I can blast it with the second one. And I was shooting with two cameras, basically one in each hand. I was like, boom, 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 because you couldn't, because then you had not only had to shoot it, then you had to like advance the film. Yeah. It's like now you just go boom, 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 as long as your fingers doesn't atrophy, you can oh, shoot a hundred yeah. photos in a shot without like, cranking anything. I remember my grandfather had one of those motorized uh, things, and he could just take the pictures. That was pretty fancy. Yeah, and the the thing that those cameras cost a mint. Oh yeah. Photography was never cheap. These filters, whatever, it was almost like a status thing. So that's why you really never saw poor people with a camera. Like you don't, you know, like there was a certain financial point. You could not be in photography. You did not have extra income. Yeah. You couldn't just be, oh, I'll just take pictures of my neighbor. No, there was none of that. And if you were in a photography, you had a dark room. Oh yeah. You were doing your own prints. Right. You were a chemist. You were a botanist. You were you were everything and. So that's why I want to look at some of my vintage photos. I have this photo shoot that looks like about an 8-year-old kid did. 8- to 10-year-old kid did this photo shoot of his town in Ohio. It's amazing to think, who developed these photos? Like, who paid for this camera? Who, you know, was it mom and dad? They said, oh, look, sonny, go out and enjoy yourself. Because he goes out and shoots crazy. He shoots, like, whatever, 20 rolls of film. Who's paying for that, you know, to get developed? And those early brownies, you actually sent the whole camera in. So you, when you sent it in, you didn't have a camera. Until they sent it back fully loaded with film. So it wasn't like, oh, no, I'll load this up myself. No, 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 you won't. That's not how that works. Ah, the times they are changing, people. But if you have yeah. a chance to ride across America, I strongly suggest that it really solves a lot of your problems. You'll have a lot more problems than you ever thought you could possibly manage. And west to east is the way to go with the, with the wind yes. you back? Uh, watch your weather, people. Most weather fronts come from the west, moving towards the east. Yeah. That's called a tailwind on the bicycle. So everybody I met was going the other direction, complaining about headwinds. I'm like, you guys ever watch a weather report? How about 
when does it get warmer, right? So I met these Germans in Yellowstone. They had started in March in Boston. It snowed two feet the first day they're on their bicycle trip. Two feet of snow. And I'm like, you guys ever watch weather? I mean, <laughs> it's Boston. It's March. What were you thinking? So this whole thing, and they end up with a rental car. They got in Milwaukee, and then they just basically drove this rental car to Yellowstone, and then they were hanging out for a couple weeks, and then they were going to start their bicycle trip from Seattle and try to go the other way. But I was like, well, guys, you just look at the weather, man. Tailwinds. It's really important out there. Yeah, especially when you're going in the mountains, I'm thinking that would have been very helpful. Oh, uh, no, the flats. The the mountains are not, you don't That's have any bad. wind in the mountains. So the it's flats? The, it's the flats. And then, there's nothing like you to say, stop you. Like it'd be, out of the national parks, there's nothing between Montana and, like, Minnesota. And, it's and, flat. And knowing, knowing where your water is. Yes. <laughs> knowing where your water, water supply is. And, uh, That's crazy. Water. and But the nice thing is, kids, here's your secret. Why do you do this? I was eating over 10,000 calories a day. Like, literally, I'd go to Wendy's salad bar, and I could eat for three hours. Jeez. And you'd still lose weight. So that's the advantage of exercising Yes, uh, you could go to McDonald's and go, I'll day. take it all. Give me one of everything. It'll be beautiful. Okay. Good to Well, we're going to go ahead and let the all right. Dan play us on out. It has been my pleasure to rattle your ears with another exciting recitation of my life.